0: and welcome to this week's episode. Today we have with us Rachel Bicknell of Swearing Circles. Rachel is a mediator, negotiator and lawyer for civil, commercial and workplace disputes. Rachel has many years experience dealing in commercial disputes and is here today to talk to small business owners about all the things they need to know about mediation and resolving disputes outside of court. And on a personal level, Rachel's a great help to our business when our clients are dealing with disputes that they might have ongoing, and she's an absolute dream to work with. Hello, Rachel. Welcome to today's podcast. How are you?
1: Hi, Babs. I'm good, thank you. What a lovely introduction.
0: (laughs) Well, very well deserved. Very well deserved. Have you had a busy week?
1: I have had a good week, a busy week, yes. Every week is fairly busy at the moment and quite varied, so... Uh, That was one of the things that I always liked about working in disputes, that every day is different.
0: Amazing, amazing. So, as we said at the start here, we're here to talk today about disputes, but of course, obviously, business owners don't always want to get into disputes in the first place. So, before we kind of delve into that, how can we ensure that it's less likely that a business owner will end up in a dispute?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think the best thing to avoid disputes or or to reduce the risk of having disputes is good drafting of your documents, your contracts, your shareholders, agreements, terms and conditions of business, all the stuff that you do, Babs, (laughs) Uh, good drafting drafting is the starting point. Um, But I think what you also need to accept as a business owner, you're one, I'm one. Is that conflict uh, is inevitable? It's likely that at some point in time, there's going to be a conflict. That doesn't necessarily mean a full blown dispute or a court action. Mm -hmm. It might just be, you know, a workplace conflict or a conflict on your board or something like that. But it is inevitable, and it's how we deal with conflict that really matters because that can have a huge impact on a small business and small business owners as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely, I'm sure you've seen lots of tales of woe about people that haven't dealt with their
1: disputes properly. Yes, and actually, a lot of those, when I think back over the years, a lot of it can come down, particularly when you are dealing with startups and with smaller businesses, to not having that documentation in place. We've all heard of the, you know, the usual case, uh, you know, a gentleman's handshake. Uh, we've got an agreement. We're going to do this. We're going to do that, and then it never quite pans out that way. Uh, so that can often be the cause of disputes. So get the, the drafting and the documents in place first. Um, but as I say, that's not necessarily going to avoid you having conflict. So um yeah. you need to then be ready in, in how you deal with those.
0: You're you're banging my drum for me. I keep saying to people, like you need a client contract, you need a supplier agreement, you need terms and conditions. And I think like it's it's one thing for me to say it when I'm clearly the one drafting them but when you're at the other side of it and you're seeing how badly these things can go wrong I think that's a really kind of valuable insight
1: yeah no I think that's absolutely right
0: um so yeah so obviously never want to go to court um in the first place but sometimes people do end up there so why why would people end up in court rather than just being able to deal with something outside of court or in another in another way
1: so I think, um, you know, one of the reasons I think people or businesses, people end up in court is because they can be driven towards that by quite litigious solicitors. They can often drive a client business towards starting in court proceedings. Now, traditionally, um, solicitors get very little or no training in negotiation. And so often they don't understand how to negotiate or they don't have the skills to negotiate properly and when you look on the other side of that, solicitors are highly trained in raising court proceedings and court procedure <laughs> and in advocacy in the courts. Uh, and I know you and I have had lots of discussions about this offline as well. So, <laughs> um, I mean, negotiation is very different to going to court. So I'll start talking about negotiation and then I'll, there's sort of a continuum of dispute resolution processes, negotiation being the starting point of that. As I say, it's very different to going to court. It is a process of persuading the person on the other side of the table from you to cast doubt that their position will win and to persuade them to walk towards you. Now, um, I know the answer, I know what your answer to this will be, but how many times have you seen a solicitor's letter making aggressive threats or demands? And I can tell by, by your smile. <laughs> And how effective is that in resolving differences or a dispute? I mean, the answer is not very effective at all. And effectively that approach um just escalates disputes uh, and it can often have the completely opposite effect. And I often say to people, okay, let's take someone famous that we'll all know. So Nelson Mandela, um, mm-hmm. he is well known as a masterful negotiator. And I suppose if we think, well, what does he what was he good at? And um But even those people that don't really know much about him, we know uh, that he was very good at putting himself in the shoes of his counterparts. He was very good at seeing the world through their eyes. Mm -hmm. He knew that making demands or threats would get him nowhere. And that's actually just quite basic behavioural psychology. And it applies to all conflicts. Um, don't get me wrong, there can be a time and a place for litigation. and, And absolutely, that is the case but it should really be a last resort. And as I said, there's this sort of continuum of dispute resolution processes and you've got negotiation at one end, mediation, and then at the other end, you've got really litigation if we use a kind of basic continuum. So first there's negotiation. Can you resolve the dispute through bilateral business-to-business or solicitor-to-solicitor negotiations? Mm-hmm. Then you've got mediation, and that's when an independent and mutual party is appointed as the mediator to facilitate settlement negotiations between those in the dispute. And the mediator's role is effectively to broker a deal. And in my view, it's only if those options fail that you then want to be considering going to court.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was just having a laugh to myself when you were saying about the aggressive solicitor's letters. I mean, yeah I, I I get them very frequently, and it's just I mean I'm not a litigator. I am a drafter, and there's no part of me that enjoys reading those letters. So it's how the client feels um I mean it must be a hundred times worse. Um, and all it really does is get the back of people and actually, when you speak to the client or the person on the other side, you realize that in a lot of cases they've been kind of steamrolled into that approach you know, they've maybe gone to a solicitor and said, this has happened and, you know, I need a bit of help. And all of a sudden there's this very aggressive, actually, letter that's come out. And then all of a sudden you've got this massive issue when, you know, if if the two business people had got together or if their solicitors had got together with an open mind um, and with a view to actually resolving it rather than just disputing the thing, then it might never have got to that stage in the first place.
1: Mm, Well, absolutely. And I think, I mean, the reality is that, Trying to resolve a dispute through negotiation or mediation, and mediation is just effectively a facilitated negotiation, mm-hmm. is a completely different mindset. Yeah, litigation. It's so it's a completely different mindset, and it's a completely different skill set as well. Yeah. And um, but you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it does nothing to resolve a dispute. And and as I say, it's it is basic, behavioural psychology. If you attack somebody, they defend. Um, yeah. They, they, and they reinforce their own position, and it just starts to spiral out of control. Um, So, as I say, it's it's a completely different way of approaching things.
0: So, you've mentioned negotiation; it's it's almost like, as you say, like a kind of a a journey along. So, you can have negotiation, mediation on the one hand, and then and then we've got litigation on the other. What's the difference between all of them?
1: So, the main difference, I suppose, from the client perspective, is that in negotiation and mediation business owners or business leaders have full decision-making power. So whether an agreement is reached and what the terms of that agreement look like are completely within their control. So yes, to get a negotiated agreement or settlement of a dispute, obviously both sides need to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why some people think that negotiation or mediation requires compromise. Um, Now, that isn't actually always the case and i'm sure you've heard this um i'm going to say, repeat this analogy that i use quite a lot and it's about two children fighting over an orange so if you go to court one child will win the orange because there always needs to be a winner and a loser in court a judge can't order anything else yeah if you were to split the difference mm-hmm. uh, and you know, cut the orange in half, mm-hmm. um, that's really a wise move. And it's usually a poorly negotiated outcome, just splitting yeah. the difference. Yeah. But what have you discovered in a, in a negotiation or at a mediation that one child wanted the orange peel and the other wanted the orange segments? Mm-hmm. And actually, I think this is a brilliant analogy because it's not unusual for client businesses to have opposing positions, but aligned interests. Yeah. And it's getting underneath those positions mm-hmm. and getting to those interests that are the key to unlocking a dispute and finding a resolution. And in reality, negotiation and mediation are an opportunity to find a better outcome. And better might mean better net financial outcomes, or it might mean what you, you know getting what you need and restoring an important business relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, the point is that there needs to be a winner and a loser in court in mediation it's possible for both parties to get an outcome which better meets their interests or their needs Mm -hmm. and that's all because the parties have full decision-making power in mediation and negotiation.
0: So then what happens if they end up in court? What about going to court?
1: So obviously if they go to court as we all know it's the complete opposite of retaining control and self-determination. So if you go to court you're handing over your decision-making power to the judge who's going to try your case. And to get that decision in your favour, you need to create a compelling story which supports your version of events and your legal arguments. And this is all with the purpose of persuading the judge that your position deserves to win. But you're allowing someone else, the judge, to impose that decision on you, Mm -hmm. and you're then forced to comply with it. Now, I don't know what you think, but in my experience, that never sits particularly well with business owners. Uh, They tend to be very entrepreneurial. They tend to be very well versed in problem solving and making decisions for themselves and for their businesses. Mm -hmm. So it's always baffled me, to be honest, why businesses of all sizes, I'm not just talking about small businesses, I'm talking about large corporates, routinely hand over full decision making power to someone else. And it sort of really makes no sense at all. (laughs) Um, I mean the other thing to say about court is that it's very slow and it's very expensive so if you have a commercial dispute that's defended and it's going to run all the way to trial which is called a proof in Scotland it's unlikely you'll have much change out of £100,000 as a sort of ballpark. So what small businesses can really afford to go to court and If you're not likely to run a dispute to the bitter end when it comes to when it comes to court, why waste your money paying for solicitors' letters, either the demanding, aggressive, threatening ones we've talked about? And let's be honest, not all lawyers' letters are like that. There are plenty of just speaks lawyers out there that are not like that, but their letters are ultimately focusing on the legal rights and wrongs. And and they're setting it up for a court action. Now, you could actually put that resource to better use in trying to solve the problem. And the best way of trying to solve the problem is actually asking questions and listening. And that's what negotiation and mediation are all about. What is going on for the other side? What is important to the other side? What do they need? And What are the potential options of resolving this? And there are always more than one. How can we resolve this creatively that meets their needs and my needs as well? I guess the last thing to say um, is that it's not unusual for court actions to take two to three years to reach a conclusion. Uh, And as I said, in most cases, actually, you don't go to the trial or the proof. Um, They're usually resolved by solicitor to solicitor negotiations or at a mediation at the 11th hour often once that trial or proof date's been set Mm -hmm. and significant sums of money have been spent in legal fees by that point in time so what I've sort of been going on about for a number of years now is why don't we just turn that process on its head why don't we try negotiation or mediation first because it could save tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of pounds in legal fees and all the other costs that are harder to quantify the management time the um you know the lost opportunity cost, I suppose, to your yeah. business in dealing with a with a court action.
0: Absolutely. So why is mediation so great? Why do we love mediation?
1: <laughs> well I mean <laughs> I think the starting point, I obviously love mediation and I would say that I'm now a mediator. <laughs> but I wasn't always a mediator. I was a I was a lawyer for 12 years first. So and I firmly believed in mediation right from the start I was lucky enough to be exposed to mediation as a trainee lawyer and actually in my 12-year career I had a one proof I think one trial in all my disputes they were all resolved through negotiation or That's through mad. mediation That's mad. well it's That's probably mad. quite unusual it, and it's part of it it will be down to my you know me as a as a solicitor in my style and part of it will, will be down to the, the kinds of cases that I worked on as well mm-hmm. um, but all small business owners need to know about mediation and they need to know that it is an option to them and I'm still blown away by the number of um, clients or client businesses that I speak to who have never been told about mediation even when they have lawyers instructed and I you know I find that quite surprising Um, so what do they need to know about mediation? Well, a few things. So um, the starting point is that it requires those who are in dispute to agree to mediate and to appoint a mediator as the facilitator of that negotiation. So they have to, you know, as I say, agree in the first place that they're going to go to mediation and then they have to agree on the mediator. Now, in practice, this can sometimes be difficult, but I'll say more about that shortly and how you can sort of deal with that. But if we assume for now the businesses have been able to agree to mediate and pick their mediator and then there'll be a, a date set for the mediation to take place. Now, um, online or remote mediation on Zoom um, is what we're often doing now since the COVID pandemic and since lockdown last year. It's become, um, you know, it's been become very popular to deal with disputes in that way. And um, that it, it saves on travel time and it saves on costs and um, for hiring a venue and depending on the dispute if you've got people coming from all over the country or even sometimes from people coming from abroad mm-hmm. you could be looking at you know thousands of pounds in flights and travel costs and things like that um, So online mediation has obviously come into the spotlight since lockdown last year. However, now that social distancing restrictions are easing, um, face-to-face mediations are picking up again, undoubtedly. I should say that um, there is now a World Mediators Alliance on Climate Change, and they have created what's called the Green Pledge, and that outlines the steps that all mediators can take to reduce their impact on on climate effectively. Um, and so I'm a signatory to the Green Pledge, Squaring Circles is a signatory to the Green Pledge, and we support and encourage online mediation where it's possible to conduct the mediation in that way. Um, so I, I sort of digress from your question, but um, most businesses won't have been involved in a mediation before. Don't let that put you off. Uh, the mediator is the manager of that process and can guide the client businesses and their lawyers or their professional advisors. the mediation process. Um, There are effectively five stages to mediation. So um, there's a planning and preparation phase where I, I, as the mediator, work with the parties to design the process for that particular dispute. So that's things like agreeing who's going to attend the mediation, what documents are going to be shared with the other side and with the mediator. Um, And then an initial uh, sort of private one-to-one meeting with each side, So that I can get a high level understanding of the dispute from the perspective of each side. Mm -hmm. So that's stage one. Stage two is then the opening phase of the mediation on the mediation day. And we usually start with everybody together in the same room face to face or the same virtual room on Zoom. Um, And Zoom allows you to replicate rooms within the platform as if you were doing it face to face. Um, I make an opening statement and share my thoughts on the mediation process, my role as the mediator and what might happen on the day. Mediation is a very flexible process um, and effectively all mediations will be a combination or a series of everybody meeting together in the same uh, room and then the mediator going between the rooms um, and having private sessions with the parties in in their own room. So that's generally how a mediation will progress just a couple of sort of key points mediation is a confidential process and there's two layers of confidentiality firstly everything that's seen or heard in the mediation is confidential to the outside world and then secondly anything disclosed to the mediator in a private session is confidential to that party and the mediator only shares information with the other side when they've got permission to do that it's also um Without prejudice, uh, without prejudice, negotiation in the same way as a solicitor to solicitor negotiation would be. Now, obviously, you and I know what that means, but yeah. without prejudice just means that any offers or concessions or admissions that are made in the course of the mediation process can't then be used in court proceedings in the event a settlement or resolution isn't achieved. Yeah, Um. The third stage is the exploration phase and that's where the mediators usually work with the client businesses in their private sessions and it's all about getting to the heart of the dispute and I mentioned earlier getting below those positions and finding out what the party's interests are and then exploring creative ways of resolving it. Mm -hmm. The fourth phase is the negotiation and that's where the mediator is helping the parties to formulate and refine and test offers and concessions and looking at their best and worst alternatives to a negotiated agreement and looking at objectively assessing prospects of success Mm -hmm. and this is all for the purpose of the client businesses deciding whether it's in their best interest to reach an agreement or whether they're actually better off going to court and weighing up the pros and cons of both of those options and then the fifth phase is the closing phase of, of mediation so Hopefully the parties have an agreement uh, and that will result in a settlement agreement being entered into. Um, The role of the mediator is very important. Um, As the mediator, I can help the parties because I don't take sides, I don't pass judgment, I don't impose any decisions or reach any view on who's right or who's wrong. As I said, the complete polar opposite of uh, going to court and having a judge decide your decide your case. So in effect, I don't favour any party and I don't favour any particular outcome. I'm there to guide discussion, to clarify issues, to facil- facilitate the negotiation, and help the client businesses evaluate the strengths and weaknesses of their case. And as I said, that's all with the purpose of them trying to reach an agreement of their dispute or an agreed way forward.
0: I would, I would be stop talking
1: a, to me. Sorry, I would,
0: I, no, I would be such a, a rubbish mediator because I'd be like, I think you're right. No, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> That's a skill in itself.
1: That's a skill in itself. I mean, there mediators never will never tell parties what to do, um, but at times mediators can be quite robust mm-hmm. in their legal or commercial challenge because it's all about getting people to and parties to the dispute the client businesses to look at things from a different perspective so I often say to to parties in my opening statement that mediation is a bit like going to the optician and looking through all those different sets of lenses for your glasses before you land on the right set for you and that's kind of what we do in mediation and it's done by the mediators asking um quite calibrated questions to get parties to think about things and to get them to to guide them towards looking at things from a different perspective as well but it's not about telling them what to do and it's definitely not about um telling them if they if they are right or wrong and because that's not that's not (laughs) my job no (laughs) Um, and there's often no right or wrong (laughs) Um, i suppose would, would maybe be the right way of looking at it it's about them finding what's right for them yeah, and trying to find something that's right for them but can also be right for the other side as well.
0: That they can both agree on, for sure.
1: Exactly.
0: So you mentioned before that, and it's I guess it's quite obvious, that you can't just rock up to mediation and hope the other party will, will be there. So how, how, how can you persuade someone that mediation is better than going to court, particularly if that other party is all hit up and angry?
1: Hmm. This this can be difficult. I'm not going to lie; it can be difficult. Um, inevitably, there's always one client business who wants to mediate and one who doesn't. And um, for mediators, this is a bit of an occupational hazard. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get a lot of inquiries for mediation and a lot of cases where one party point blank refuses to engage in a mediation process. And actually, a refusal to mediate is often a negotiation tactic in itself. Um, so. It, it is difficult you can obviously have discussions with um with your counterpart and set out to them all the benefits of mediation and ask them to you know to consider that quite seriously before making a decision and um, but at the moment in scotland at least there is nothing that you can do to compel parties to mediate um unless you put a dispute resolution clause in your contract so um if you have a dispute resolution contract, eh, sorry, provision in your contract, um, then effectively that can compel the parties to the contract to mediate. And it's it's a very good way of keeping disputes out of court. So in my view, dispute resolution clauses are one of the most vital provisions in any contract, because as I say, it allows the client businesses to agree Within the contract, the process that's to be followed in the event a dispute arises. And I think there's much to be said for agreeing how a dispute will be dealt with when the parties to the contract are on good terms. So um, once that disagreement or dispute arises uh, and raises its ugly head, um, parties are usually then less willing to adopt a collaborative approach to the process of resolving their differences. Um, So the um as i say there's a number of different ways that you can put these uh, provisions in your contracts um it can be quite a, a simple clause which just requires the parties to first engage in negotiation and or mediation as a precondition to going to court mm-hmm. um but they can also be used to effectively um of almost contract out of litigation and instead appoint an arbitrator I've not said too much about arbitration at the moment but an arbitrator like a judge decides the case by imposing a decision and arbitration clauses years ago used to be really really popular they would kind of be thrown in at the end of any contract you've probably seen them times yeah they were kind of almost like an afterthought that's how I always read them you would just get this sort of one line clause. It was, you know, dispute resolution clauses tend to be at the end of the contract. It's almost like you know you run out of steam by the time you get to that point, stuck <laughs> in an arbitration clause. Um, so you you do you know you see them in contracts. Um, effectively, an arbitrator is like a judge, but rather than being a judicial appointment um, through the you know the judicial system, the parties actually choose the arbitrator. So that's the kind of the main difference. Um, and I think. These clauses are actually even more important now because the courts and tribunals are facing quite significant backlogs and delays, which they were always facing anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But that's actually much worse now because of the um the court closures and lockdown last year. So I think the in some sectors, dispute resolution clauses, particularly in the construction industry, for example, have been used for a number of years but I do think businesses are increasingly using these clauses now across all sectors and in a wide range of contracts to assist with resolving disputes quickly efficiently and cost effectively and obviously the quicker a dispute's resolved the better the chance of preserving the contractual relationship as well so there's a number of ways they can be drafted as, as I said the simplest level um it would just simply state that the client businesses must try and resolve their disputes before through mediation before they go to court, but they can also be more detailed. So the clause can allow a claim to be escalated in stages. So typically it would require the client business to first engage in the g- negotiation at different levels within the business. So perhaps at manager level, then director level, and then progressing to mediation if a resolution hasn't been achieved at the negotiation level. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, with mediation being necessary before court proceedings can be raised, often the clauses will go further and actually name the organisation or service provider from where the mediation, uh, the mediator is to be chosen from. And that then prevents further potential disagreement and delay in the the mediator is going to be. Um, And so uh, there's sample clauses on my website uh, if people want to take a look, but I always recommend that you get legal advice as I said right at the start get legal advice on drafting these contracts and those clauses so that you have the right dispute resolution clause for your business
0: it's so funny because it sounds like something that you that you say to people about dispute resolution clauses is exactly what I see about entering a shareholders agreement or something like that and it's always like let's paper it now while we're all still friends Yes. Um, because these things become a lot more difficult when I don't like you and you don't like me anymore and yes. um, and if we can agree as much as possible when everyone still likes each other then it seems to be a very sensible approach
1: yes I absolutely agree with that at the same the same principle applies you yeah. are you want to obviously we all hope to go into these agreements and business relationships without the conflicts and the differences arising But you're absolutely right. You're far better placed to agree a process when you're on good terms, because inevitably when the relationship breaks down, it is very difficult to be on the same page with, right, how are we going to resolve this now?
0: Absolutely. So we've spoken about kind of costs, et cetera, as to why small business owners might not want to go to court. Are there any Mm -hmm. other reasons that you typically see?
1: Yes, there are lots of reasons, um, but to, for today's purposes, I've kind of kind of got sort of top three reasons why businesses want to avoid court and the three R's: so reputation, resources, and relationships. And so, what do I need? What do I mean about that? So, you need to remember that court is a public forum. So, if a case goes to trial or to proof, anyone can sit in on the action. Um, a small business might want to avoid a public battleground and instead prefer the private and confidential forum of mediation and negotiation as well because the reputational damage caused by a dispute can be huge, as we know. So that deals with reputation. Uh, We've then got resources. Now, court action, as I said, can be very time-consuming and very draining on client resources. I think people often... Focus on, right, this is going to cost me a lot of money, but that's why it costs you a lot of money. Do you want to be spending hundreds of hours, and I'm not kidding when I say hundreds of hours, sitting in your lawyer's office, giving instructions and lengthy witness statements, or do you want to be channeling that time and energy and growing and scaling your business? And what are the unquantifiable costs of litigation and wasted management time, lost productivity, damaged relationships, distractions from other priorities, your team morale? The list goes on and on. Um, So, that's resources. Relationships, you need to think about relationships. Litigation is well known for tearing business relationships apart, mediation is well known for restoring or preserving those relationships, particularly if mediation is used early in the life cycle of a dispute. Before positions become very entrenched, as we've talked about already, before significant sunk costs have been incurred, and you're then fighting over the legal fees, um, which may actually be more than the value of your claim, Um, so that's relationships.
0: Yeah, and and how? So how often? I mean, maybe you don't know this because I guess if you're the mediator, you kind of see them and then they go away. But how often Mm. would you say that you know you would be mediator for a dispute and then? Like everybody's fine and happy with each other afterwards. Is that
1: common? It is common. It is common. I mean, um, many mediators. There's a lot of commentary and blogs and things um, Mm -hmm. on mediation. And uh, the, I suppose my mediation mentor and the person that I did my initial mediation training, a very well-known mediator, John Sturrock QC, uh, and he's sort of Scotland's preeminent mediator, and he's been a mediator for over 20 years now and uh, he's over the last 20 years has written lots of things about his mediations and something that's consistently said by clients uh, and parties why did we not do this years ago Um, and that's absolutely my experience I'm not going to sit here and say that mediation is some magical superpower and it's going to you know unite uh, if you take the family Family business disputes, um, you know, quite highly emotional and lots of strands to them. um, And uh, just as an example, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you're going to turn to family members who are in business who absolutely hate each other into best friends. But mediation um, can be transformational for the parties. And I have seen I have mediated disputes when I've got the papers and thought, oh, my goodness this is going to be so challenging. Um, the allegations that are being made here by these individuals against each other are, um, are serious, are difficult. And you get into mediation and they reach an agreement and they reach in a way forward. So absolutely see it. Um, and in many yeah. cases, as I say, it can be quite transformational for the parties. But I would say it always results in a better outcome. than than what would have happened if it had gone to court and as I say better can you know come in a lot of different shapes and sizes yeah but I would say that people underestimate the toll that litigation takes on on your business on your life actually Um, even if it's not you as an individual if you are I mean I most of my litigation career particularly laterally was dealing with disputes um high value m- you know millions of pounds claims um for corporate organizations but the people at the f- the the front the forefront of dealing with that dispute for that business had so much on their shoulders they were exactly. dealing with so much stuff and i think it's that side of it is just often not really talked about um and it's it's a huge um it takes a huge toll on people personally so I think you're always you will always come out of a mediation in a better place than if you litigate and I genuinely believe that
0: I mean if you think about just the toll that we'll see on clients when they receive an aggressive letter Mm, it's like that times a hundred yeah
1: yeah well yeah at least yes it's years of your life actually it can be years of your life and often I think the wonderful thing about mediation is a lot of this stuff starts to come out in the mediation process Mm -hmm. you know um, the toll that's taken on family life on older children who are no longer speaking to you know mum or dad because they're always working they're always dealing with a dispute just you know the the stress on marriages because the time that it's taking, the time, if you're a if you're running a business, you know, we know that that is a huge resource in our time just running the business. Yeah. Throw so in a big litigation on top of trying to run a business. And what time yeah. do you have left? Inevitably, something has to give. And quite often that will be your time outside of work, is the thing that has yeah. to give. And as I say, that can go on for two or three years. Yes, it's like this, and you're not going to be sitting in your lawyer's office hundreds of hours um you know every month or every quarter but there are going to be times where you are going to be spending a huge amount of time sitting in a lawyer's office as i say potentially giving very lengthy witness statements and having to go through boxes and boxes of papers depending on the dispute um so <laughs> it just it doesn't
0: sound fun does it no not, um, not, not not for the parties (laughs) or the lawyers lawyers. I know (laughs) boxes of papers is never fun um so what kind of disputes Rachel um could small business owners face that might be well suited to mediation
1: so mediation is generally suited to all kinds of disputes um and there are I suppose, but there are different categories where I think it is particularly effective. Um, And I suppose I'll list, again, my top three for sort of small businesses. And I suppose these are questions that you could ask yourself. Um, So would your business benefit from an ongoing relationship with the other side? Uh, and we've talked about relationships, obviously, in the co- on the context of disputes. So yeah. examples that kind of fall into this category um, boardroom or director shareholder disputes, workplace employment disputes, landlord and tenant disputes and supplier disputes. So if you're a small business with a board or employees or if you rent property or if you supply goods and services or purchase goods and services, then negotiation and mediation could resolve your dispute and restore or preserve that very important business relationship. The second category, ask ask yourself the question, is this dispute factually or legally complex? In which case, it will be very expensive, very time-consuming, and the litigation risk will be very high. And so outcomes in those cases are very difficult to assess or predict So think trademark disputes, brand protection, intellectual property, breach of contract, breach of warranty claims, professional negligence claims. Um, All those kinds of complex complex claims are very well suited to mediation. Um, The third sort of category is a decision from a judge where there's going to be a winner or a loser actually going to resolve the problem or do we need a more creative solution? So, for example, if it's an intellectual property dispute, can we come to some sort of licensing arrangement, which wouldn't be possible to, to agree as part of a court action? If it's a director or shareholder dispute, what creative solution might be better than a court simply ordering the majority shareholder out the majority minority shareholder? Um, so in mediation, as I say, there's this huge potential for more creative solutions which can resolve the problem even when going to court can't.
0: Absolutely. So with that in mind, I've also sometimes heard business owners saying, oh, but is mediation maybe showing my hand or is it a sign of weakness or, or something like that? What, what would you say to business owners that have had that kind of thought process?
1: It's not. <laughs> in short, it's not. I mean, as a solicitor, I, when I was acting for clients, I never considered an offer of mediation as a sign of weakness. Now, I know that there are some people out there who might worry about that and might consider mediation, as you say, to be showing their hand. It's a soft option. Um, you know, you and I, we know that's far from the truth. Uh, my experience is that perception is actually often driven by lawyers rather than by clients. And um, I think that. You know, all negotiations and mediations have one common feature. that That's the need for both sides to be able to declare some sort of victory. As I said at the start, it needs to be something that works for both parties or they're just not going to sign up to it. Yeah. But finding a way for the other parties to declare a victory while securing a victory for yourself can be challenging. It's not a soft option at all. And actually, in my opinion, <laughs> it's, a, it's harder than leaving that decision to a judge to decide your fate. Yeah. Um, And so I think this perception of weakness comes from a misconception that by being open to negotiation or mediation, you're going to lose in court. Mm -hmm. And that isn't the case. It's simply a process to find a commercial solution to a problem. And that's how I would encourage people to think about it. And the reality is that no solicitor, regardless of how aggressive or demanding that letter is that lands on your desk, no solicitor ever tells their clients, you're going this you're guaranteed to win this in court it just doesn't happen. Um, the other thing to say about this is that mediation is routinely used in other jurisdictions we're really far behind in Scotland actually so England and Wales uh, and the US, U.S. obviously the most litigious society on the planet. Um, <laughs> they are, they are that that is, they are using mediation. They are using it effectively. They are using it for civil and commercial disputes routinely. Uh, and I suppose if a U.S. attorney doesn't think mediation is a weakness, why would a U.K. solicitor really think that? Um, absolutely,
0: absolutely. And so, what do you think is going to be the future for dispute resolutions? Like we're obviously kind of coming out, hopefully. The pandemic right now, um, everything that's gone on recently, <laughs> fingers crossed, everything that's gone on recently, um, is that going to change things? Is it going to change how disputes are resolved going forward do you think?
1: I think it will, I mean obviously the pandemic's changed a lot about how we do business and our social interaction uh, and I think how we resolve disputes will probably be no different. Um, there's a lot of commentary about how the crisis has brought competitors together which I found really interesting um, and how collaboration is going to be the key to economic recovery. So my hope is that mindset is carried over into disputes and also how the legal profession delivers dispute resolution services. Um, I think we'll continue to see shifts, for example, uh, towards things like value based billing or fixed fee billing. Um, But I just hope that business owners and leaders will become more empowered by the ability to take a greater control over how their disputes are managed and resolved. I also think that um, the rise of online mediation and being able to do this remotely from the comfort of our own offices and, and, you know, homes has made a huge difference and has made mediation, it's really kind of put mediation in the spotlight. Um, Yeah. And so I think that we will hopefully see more businesses knowing more about the options that are available to them and actually as I said start just being able to say um that or even being able to put to a solicitor while well, I've heard about mediation might that help me here because yeah. um you can't always assume that lawyers are going to to suggest mediation so I think if businesses yeah. know about it but the fact that we can now do mediation remotely mm-hmm. I think it's going to make a huge difference um, the Feedback I've had from from clients, uh, from um, from solicitors, uh, and others that are you know that have been involved in mediation is all overwhelmingly positive because it is just so convenient and it's cost effective. Yeah. Um, so I think that's probably here to stay. And as a mediator, it allows me even when I'm doing a face to face mediation to meet the parties in advance. I always meet them on Zoom first if they want to meet me no one's ever said they don't so it's happened for all my mediations and it means that they can see me as the mediator before um yeah because it is actually conflicts are important to people it is an honor and a privilege to be invited into someone's conflict and to be the mediator in that conflict it's so important to them and traditionally you would never clap eyes on the mediator until you walked into that usually a boardroom yeah. in a lawyer's office and see the mediator for the first time so we can now meet in advance they can see me they yeah. can ask questions about the process so I think that it's made a huge difference to the effectiveness of mediation and to just putting parties at ease and having more confidence in the process
0: it's less intimidating isn't it it's
1: less intimidating
0: yeah, yeah that's the word
1: I was looking for
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Rachel that has been so helpful and what I'm hoping is that that's opened people's eyes a lot to the fact that oh, well, we argue we have to go to court that there's kind of something in between that's often an easier cheaper quicker better option for everyone Um if people listening to this podcast want to get in touch with you and if they're in the middle of a dispute or they think they might be at some point um, Mm. and they want to speak to you about mediation how do they get in touch with you?
1: Yes so um, if they go they'll find my website squaringcircles.uk and it's got my contact details that's probably the quickest way I'm on LinkedIn as well Um, email address is Rachel r-a-c-h-a-e-l at squaringcircles.uk but all mediators myself included will um, have a, a confidential no obligation discussion with anybody who has a dispute that they think might be suitable for mediation so anybody's welcome to get in touch with me to have a discussion about that equally negotiation as well
0: amazing thank you so much for your time it's been amazing having you on um yeah. thank
1: you so much for having me
0: no problem at all no problem at all thanks very much guys i hope you found that really helpful um rachel's given her contact details there and um, listen back if you want to to get in touch and also feel free just to get in touch with us directly and we can and um, put you in contact with rachel and um, if you're struggling to find her for whatever reason and um, thanks so much rachel and i'll speak to you soon
1: thanks bab see you soon and the minute of the minute of of the